The following podcast contains explicit language. What's good, everyone? Uh, you listen to the Post Bougie Podcast. This is GD, Jimmy Demby. Uh, I'm the founder of Post Bougie and a correspondent at NPR News at Code Switch. Uh, I'm here with my play cousins, uh, Taryn Hall, who is a freelancer. Hey, guys. Which could mean anything. I mean, she could be a hitman. She could be like a, a drug mule. I mean, it's whatever. Damn. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying. It could be anything. Um, <laughs> for hire. Right. Exactly. Right. <laughs> also joining us today is Joel Anderson, the staff writer at BuzzFeed. He is PB fam. What's good, Joel? Hey, I'm good. How you doing? And we have a special guest, part of the larger extended post-Bougie family, Janae Desmond-Harris. She's a staff writer at Vox. What's good, Janae? Hi, thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. All right, so we wanted to talk to y'all because both of you have done stories on Ben Carson. Now, for those of y'all who do not know, Ben Carson is a conservative darling. He may be pursuing a candidacy for the presidency, but he's beloved by conservative groups, particularly the Tea Party. For a bunch of us, uh, Ben Carson came into our lives in the 80s and 90s as the dude who wrote the inspiring book about overcoming poverty in Detroit, Idle Hands. Um, a lot of us probably got that book when we were growing up. As Joel wrote in his piece, it was the kind of book that Uncle Phil would have given to Will Smith on The Fresh Prince. But Ben Carson now has like a very different following. He used to be beloved by aspirational Negroes, and now he is beloved by conservative white folks. So I want to talk to you all about what is going on. So, Janae, could you talk to me about like the political moment right now that Ben Carson finds himself in and why he's such a big deal? Yeah, Ben Carson actually finds himself in a moment in which he's completely adored by a large group of people. Mm -hmm. There's a pack um, called the Draft Ben Carson for President Pack, um, otherwise known as Run Ben Run. (laughs) And they worship and adore him. Many of them have never met him, but they've read Gifted Hands, and they heard him speak at the National Prayer Breakfast, Mm -hmm. where he um, famously or infamously, depending on who you are, really slammed Obamacare. Mm -hmm. And then later, um, a few weeks later, said it was worse than slavery i think the worst yeah. thing in american history since slavery which so. speaks to like a whole bunch of yeah like, you need, he needs to read a history book <laughs> so he's gotten a lot of attention for that and he is really worshipped by a lot of people in this group i went to the south carolina tea party coalition convention all right can you, can you set the scene for the tea party convention for us because yeah so this is at um a resort in myrtle beach which mm-hmm. is basically desolate at this time of year and there are a whole bunch of tea partiers who have descended upon it they are mostly older it's hard to find anyone under 45 mm-hmm. um and i would say 96 percent white wow and most of these people of course were from the state of south carolina but some people came from farther away They also had Donald Trump speak. You know, it goes without saying, these people are as conservative as you can get. I found myself surprised because my assumption going in was that the Tea Party liked Ben Carson for strategic reasons and sort of like tokenism related Mm -hmm. reasons. You know, here's a black guy who could possibly help repair our reputation. Right. He buffers us against. Yeah. Get some people of color to vote. Mm -hmm. Um, What I found speaking to people, and I don't know if this is true at the higher level, but it certainly was true in my experience at the grassroots level was that people seemed, like, sincerely moved and impressed by him, very much like sort of, like, parent, black parents and children who read Gifted Hands mm-hmm. back in the day. Everyone I spoke to, when I asked, why do you like Ben Carson, it was, well, did you know his mother was one of 24 children? And he was just so amazing. He had so much faith, and it got him through. He's an, just an incredible man and a hard worker and humble I mean, they cannot say enough about him, and they really don't even talk about his race unless pushed. When that happens, you know, we'll go into that more later, but then, then you get some comments like, you know, he could be a wonderful example from anyone who's struggled in this life, especially the blacks, <laughs> what one woman told me. <laughs> she said um, he could open a lot of doors for them. Well, 
they've already been opened, but unfortunately the blacks have not gone through them. Oh. So Jesus. yeah, it's really it's really complicated. Um, but I will say that what surprised me was sort of the what struck me as deep and sincere admiration for him as a person. Hmm. And Joel, so Janae was talking a little bit about his biography and his his mom being one of 24 kids. Um, and so you wrote about sort of his his trajectory into this place. Why do you think he is is sort of taking this moment to, to seek the limelight? Well, it's not like he's burdened by neurosurgery anymore. Right. You know, and you can see really around the time The Gifted Hands came out mm-hmm. um, that he had this twin purpose that he really wanted to, like, you know, proselytize to people. And, and so I actually spoke to... Uh, she was at one time the spokesperson for Johns Hopkins Hospital, where you know Ben Carson worked for over forty years, mm-hmm. and was also the uh, widow of one of Ben Carson's mentors, okay. uh, Dr. John Freeman. And she said, you know, it just it it just seemed like Dr. Carson always had like this in him that he wanted to preach to people to talk about you know overcoming obstacles, um, to talk about being a good faithful Christian, um, you know, not letting things slow you down, that sort of deal. So I just don't think like. You know, there's only so much you can do when you're speaking at, like, Black History Month events in Tampa. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right, right, and, right, And so, like, when you run for public office in this way, then, like, you have a platform that you wouldn't have if you're just retired and playing golf in West Palm Beach. And so I think that that really appealed to him. And I think he's – It's. I'm not saying that he's not running for president because he's not sincere about wanting to be president. And we're, I, just, we're assuming that we're working on the assumption that he's going to that run. He, right, right, right. Um, but, we're, but I think that he's sincere in his – his beliefs – Need a broader audience, right? And this is the best way to do that. <laughs> and he also think I I totally believe that he thinks he's qualified to be uh, president. I mean, if you read Gifted Hands, if you read some of these other books, I'm like, you know, he has like this uh, <laughs> in um, his second book. Uh, he ta- like the last forty pages are dedicated to like reforming healthcare, mm-hmm. and it's just like this very neat, like very wide eyed view of like, well, we just do this, we do this, you know, we can reform healthcare, and I think that like, you know. If you were Ben Carson, why would you ever doubt that you don't have the, like, <laughs> capacity to, like, right. do anything, you mm-hmm. know? Um, so I think that he's, like, really sincere in wanting to get this message out there and get his beliefs out there. Do you think that he gets deep into the primaries? I mean, do you think he has – I mean, do you think he's Herman Cain, somebody who sort of burns bright in the primaries? He's Uncle Ben. <laughs> Uncle Ben, right? Yes, Uncle Ben. <laughs> Uncle ben. Um, but do you think he – how far into the primary process do you think he gets before? I mean, I would say he's like he's not a goofball, right? Sure. He has some views that I think a lot of people have tried to characterize as like laughably terrible. For example, that, you know, people go to prison and turn gay there and mm. that's how he knows that being gay is a choice. And to a lot of people that is laughably terrible, but to his base it's not. Mm-hmm. Um and he I think what differenti- differentiates him from people like Herman Cain is that his demeanor um, is a little more authoritative, and he actually is incredibly intelligent, mm-hmm. just maybe not in politics. So you call him Herman Cain stupid? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, Herman Cain was like a chemistry major at Purdue University. Okay. Was he really? Okay. Yeah. No, 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 but I mean, I get what you're saying. I will just say, he doesn't come <laughs> off as a goofball. So I, mm. I can see him being taken seriously, despite some of his views, which seem like they're really far off in left field, or I guess right field. <laughs> But he has zero political experience. Mm, that's, and that seems to be the thing that jumps off the Zero. Like, Not even like people like, said about Obama. Like, he doesn't have enough experience. Mm-hmm. Ben Carson has zero political but he, experience. He, he could be on stage in the primaries, though. Like that, mm-hmm. And that's all that matters. And, like, you see polls where he's, like, polling at 16, 17 percent, mm-hmm. which puts him, like, third or fourth among, like, 
you know, presumptive Republican presidential candidates, mm-hmm. that's a serious candidate. Right. Like, you know, Herman Cain at one like at one point was leading the that, right. But like that was like a blip in yeah, time. Sure. Like mm-hmm. Ben Carson consistently is polling like third, fourth behind like, you know, guys like Jeb Bush and what I, I don't but at the last one I saw involved Mitt Romney and obviously Mitt Romney is not there. So yeah. What worries me is that I don't think he has good answers to questions beyond sort of like values mm-hmm. and general position statements on big issues. And maybe that gets you a certain amount of the way into the primaries, but I didn't put this at in the piece, but at the South Carolina Tea Party convention, um he had a question and answer person and some someone asked him, you know, how would you decide who to put in your cabinet? What would you look for? Um, and that's a question that I don't think was super hard. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you what he said later. But a woman I interviewed um, the next day said, you know what he should have said? He should have said that just like when I was a surgeon, I surrounded myself with the smartest and best people. And together we got the job done. Mm-hmm. Instead, he sort of stumbled and said, uh, you. <laughs> <laughs> what? You. Um, you know, you. I want to hear different people's voices. And what? he sort of like stumbled and didn't have a good answer to even how, who would you want in your cabinet. Right, right. And that was my first that was the first moment when, to me, he looked really weak and um, mm. particularly unsophisticated as a politician. Mm. Did did he? Did it look like he had a lot of like a operation around him? Um, he has Armstrong Williams, oh, who wow. is his business manager, who's been behind him for a number of years. I know Joel and I both spoke to him for our pieces. Armstrong Williams, if you guys don't know, is uh, used to be a conservative or is a conservative political commentator. Uh, he used to be in a lot of papers, but he's sort of receded from the headlines lately. Right. But, yeah. But I, actually, I didn't. I, Armstrong Williams didn't speak to me until the day after my story was published. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's telling but, me from on the GOP side. Yeah, right. But even, I, I feel like usually with candidates that are, you know, like this in this space, you start to have like some advisors beyond just like like a deeper bench of people that like kind of guide you right. or shepherd you. I don't know the answer for sure, but it doesn't look like it. What it mm-hmm. looks like from the outside is that there's Ben Carson mm-hmm. and then there's the run Ben run people okay. who like present themselves as his team, but Got most it. of them have never met him. Got mm-hmm. it. Yeah. And does he have like, based on what you said, it sounds like he doesn't really know how to like work a crowd either. Mm. I don't know. I would say he does know how to work a crowd. Oh. He oh, is. Um, everyone will agree that he's he's soft spoken but charismatic. Okay. He treats. This is what people say. He treats everyone the same. He listens to everyone. Mm-hmm. He's like gentle and delightful to be around. This is what people say about he, him. He's been working crowds for like the last quarter yeah. century. Yeah. You know. What yeah. I mean, keep that in mind. Like he's been. You know. Um, one of the guys I spoke to, a friend of his, a longtime friend that's an ophthalmologist here in D.C., said something to the effect that you know he in his books he talks about you know I don't want people you know worrying about Michael Jordan and Madonna and Doc, you know Dr. Dre I want people I want kids to focus on people that actually contribute to life you know through their brain or through their you know through their talents that don't have anything to do with like celebrity right mm-hmm. and he says in time, like when Ben Carson started going out on these speeches and doing all these things, that people came to regard him as a celebrity. It's like, yeah, it's like Michael Jordan, that he would get that sort of response. So, mm-hmm. like, if there's anything he's good at at this part of campaigning, it's that, mm-hmm. like, working up a crowd, getting people to, like, take him seriously. Right. Initially. Right, initially. Right. <laughs> so, when you sort of pressed on. Uh, issues around race as it pertains to Ben Carson at the at the Tea Party um, mm-hmm. convention. Like, he plays that role that a lot of black conservatives often play when they get some prominence is sort of like to be like the offensive lineman against accusations of <laughs> uh, racism that come that often like thrown at the GOP. Right. So like what did when you talk to people there, like how are they metabolizing Ben Carson's race? So race is not the first thing his white supporters talk about, but mm. I noticed that, you know, they were happy to if you got and if you pressed a little more about, you know, specifically why he would be a great candidate. One thing 
one idea that everyone repeats is that the Republicans only need 17 percent of the black vote. And, and I, I don't know exactly. I don't know where that number yeah, came just, from, but it's on every pamphlet for Ben Carson. Mm-hmm. And I heard it you no know, fewer than 15 times over the weekend. Sure. And it's weird just because as an as I mean, when was the last time a Republican got more than the twelve percent of the black vote? I think Bush was, was a big deal in two thousand four when he got eleven right. percent, I think. But they haven't performed that well right. in a long time. Well the the Ben Carson narrative goes that they haven't performed that well because they haven't had Ben Carson. Well, right. Okay, <laughs> who is right, like right, the right. amazing guy who you know, and, and this is what his supporters say on their pamphlet. Um, he's not like black Republicans from mm. the past. This is a man who is adored and worshipped in the African American community. Mm. Parents gave children his book. He is the best neurosurgeon ever. Black people love this man. So that's like a key selling point for them. Does that sound legit to you at all? Um, you know, a lot. obviously we all know that a lot of black people did love this man. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if it gives people enough credit for sort of distinguishing a story that may have been seen as personally inspiring from the policies that are attached to it and whether they want them for the entire nation. Sure. Um, and that's sort of like what my piece gets at is that he's been saying the same thing all alone, mm-hmm. all, all along. He has not transformed himself in his possible run for president. When he In the beginning of Gifted Hands, there's a poem that um, his mother said that she loved. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he talks about how he loves it in his speeches. It says, you're the captain of your ship. So agree with the same. If you travel downward, you have yourself to blame. Okay. Mm. I mean, I guess that's something that people might have wanted their middle school students to hear to take responsibility for their grades. Sure. I think we have to give people enough credit to say that they might not want to translate that to get rid of all entitlements. Absolutely right. <laughs> because if you fail, you, I mean, I think it, it's a really sort of, um, it's not a very generous view of black people to say that they're not going to be able to distinguish a personal story from political policies. You know what? He kind of gives me the vibe that I get from, like, conservative black institutions. You know what I mean? Like, a black, like the administration at a black school, right? Like, that's the HBCU. kind of... Mm-hmm. Yeah, he yeah. could be the president of a HBCU. Mm-hmm. That's the vibe that he gives me. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I think that people... I think Janae is right. I think that people will be able to clear the chaff once he, like, like if he gets the chance to be tested on a national stage, I think people will be able to be like, come on, you're like somebody's uncle or so-and-so who has like politics that might be different than the rest of the family. But I don't, I don't, and I don't think that like in, in your um, story, you mentioned like one of the people when asked, like he might be able to help like inspire the blacks to get off of yeah. entitlements or, you know, get off of welfare. Right. Um. But when you look at the facts, like most of the people who are on welfare are not, necessarily black yeah, so I mean, yeah. Yeah, it just ha- like it, it just doesn't make sense yeah but, but yeah so most people on, on who get entitlements like who are on you know who get food stamps or whatever aren't black but like proportionally there are more black people on it we're overrepresented mm-hmm. on, on, but at the same time I think at this point everyone knows that most of the people who get welfare are white but like that is a that's not when, when people say welfare I think it's coded so much we all understand right. what they're saying right? and I think he gets a lot of mileage um, when he sort of keys into that like one of his biggest applause lines in his speech was Progressives want to tell you how many things are impossible, but even if Al Sharpton tells you you're a victim, you're not a victim. And that was like standing ovation level applause. Um, A lot of the speakers at the Tea Party convention didn't specifically mention race. Mm -hmm. It was sort of like they were almost waiting for him to do it. Right. And another um, really sort of off the charts conservative author. But when these black men did mention, so when they sort of mocked black people and mocked civil rights work. Mm hmm. Crowd went wild. Right, right. Well, went it, wild. It, but, it, but I mean, consider, too, that, I mean, this is a guy, like, one of the chapters in his book, like, you know, the big picture was moving beyond victim mentality. Did, did you have to read all these books when you were doing the story? I had to 
reread some of them. Like I didn't re- reread the whole book, but I kind of just you know picked through. How, how do they hold up? Um, well, I mean, held up in terms of, <laughs> um, I mean, it makes sense to give it to a middle schooler in like really dire circumstances and say, Hey, look, this guy, you know, grew up without a father. Um, he was a really poor student. Like, you know, telling children to work hard is not a bad thing. Sure, right. Absolutely. But like, it really overlooks a lot of the other like factors that come into play that mm-hmm. like, you know, maybe some people's mothers that are functionally illiterate, um, they may not have the like support or the skills to be able to tell a kid, hey, look, uh, you got to read every day and do all these other things. A lot of other things have to fall into place mm-hmm. for you to be able to um, to to get where he got, right? Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, by the time he was in high school, he turned a lot of that around. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of – this is one thing that sort of occurred to me. They said, well, you know, he was a really bad student. And so they tested his vision, and they realized, man, your vision's really bad. You're basically blind. Like, this would help. Like, well, a lot of kids may not even get that <laughs> yeah, exposure exactly. to right. that doctor Absolutely. To, to them to realize that. Mm-hmm. And so, like, a lot of things have to happen. It's not like he just willed himself to greatness, sure, too. Right, like, right. there were things along the way that made him the person that he is. Mm-hmm. He also attributes passing a chemistry final in college to prayer. Prayer, right. Like, yeah. he was not prepared at all. He admits that he didn't study enough. And he was really panicked the night before, and he prayed for guidance, and then he had a dream where he got all the answers. <laughs> and that, therefore, he was able to pass. So that was weird to me because it, it didn't even fit, like, the hard work narrative. Like, he got he called in a favor from God, <laughs> which I don't know how that works. I don't know if everybody can do that or if that was right. just something that worked for him. I know. It's one of the things you want to know, like, this is your brain surgeon. Like, yo, <laughs> did you pray on this last night? Did you actually know how it's going to work? Like, you know what I mean? I think they, they hold up in that way. Like, mm. if you wanted to give it to the underachiever in your life. <laughs> and you, you didn't want to like them to question too much about like the world around them, but just mm-hmm. uh, if if you just wanted to hone in on work hard and good things might happen, mm-hmm. it would be productive in that way. But like other than that, like I don't know what else you'd be hoping to get out of it. Um, it, it, it does tell you a lot about like what he's saying now because it's not like a lot of the things. He, I mean, he spoke out against affirmative action. He spoke spoke out against people calling themselves African Americans. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's not like. If, if there's anything that holds up, you see that, oh, wait, he's been saying this shit, like, for, for the last time. quarter century. Yeah. The only thing he has to get around in the book that doesn't line up with his narrative is that his mother did receive government assistance. Huh. And so whenever he speaks about it, he says, she did receive some assistance, but her ultimate goal was to be independent. Right, which is... So he has to sort of, like, make that footnote every single time. Right. Which is, like, the, the ultimate goal of so many people right. who receive government <laughs> assistance, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's like most people want to be sort of self-sufficient. His mother also, um, according to his books, checked herself in and out of the psych ward, like, on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Um, she would just kind of disappear and be gone for two, three weeks and, an and come point. back. And I'm not sure how that was paid for, but that's <laughs> another note that's kind of interesting. Absolutely, yeah. How did the black folks at the convention, uh, how did they respond? What were they like? What were they thinking? Did you count them? Um, I didn't count them, but I think I think seven would be a pretty accurate assessment. Oh, okay. So yeah. Seven out of how many? Um, couple, couple thousand. Couple thousand. Yeah. yeah. Couple thousand? Yeah. Oh. Oh my God! Well, I mean, wait a minute, though. I mean, it's black people in, uh, you know, in a not particularly black part of South Carolina. Yeah. At that, like, yeah. would you? I mean, I would make sure I was out of town that weekend. Was Stacey Dash there? She was not. Okay. <laughs> I mean, they would have welcomed her with open arms. Open arms. Oh my gosh. Oh hmm? yeah, I, I had. <laughs> I might have as well. Ill <laughs> I had two um, in-depth interviews with some of his black supporters, mm-hmm. and you know it goes without saying that they identify very strongly with him and love him to death. 
one woman had a story that she kind of likened to his. You know, she had a, a lot of siblings who had like not been successful for various ways. She started her own business. She supported the family. She took care of her mother. She felt like everyone needed to take responsibility for themselves. Um, she drove from her home with her guns in the back of her car because she needs to protect herself. And, um, yeah, he lines right up with, like, the entire way she sees the world. The other thing they talk about... <laughs> she lines right up with the way the T.I. sees the world. <laughs> did you ever ask them... Like, so you asked them about Ben Carson. Mm-hmm. What were their... Did they have any opinions about President Obama at all? You know, people... Interestingly, I, I almost wanted to write a piece about um, what Tea Parties were saying about President Obama. And they weren't even saying too much about him. Hmm. You know, they sort of, like, dismiss him with one line. Like, wow. oh, he's a a real candidate and a real hard worker and truly intelligent, not like President Obama. That's sort of like the line people say about him, but they don't go into any great detail. Hmm. Um, Another supporter I talked to was a man who was about 65. Um, He's a veteran and a pastor. And for years, he's been sort of like encouraging kids and his his mentees to watch Gifted Hands and read Gifted Hands. And he's convinced that it's sort of changed lives. He calls Ben Carson his hero. And this man told me he firmly believed that if you were to remove um, the Tea Party and the Republican label from Ben Carson, just about every black person in the country would support him. He defended that by saying that, you know that we don't like abortion and we don't like gay marriage. So he had, like, you know, maybe some misunderstandings. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I think he assumed that all black people were socially were conservative, socially yeah, conservative right. and, mm. and very religious and just like him. Um, but that's sort of something you hear, and you even hear his white supporters saying, like, you know, all black people would support him if they really understood what he was about. Yeah, it's one of those things that, like, it, there was this moment when, if you were trying to do, if you were a Republican trying to do outreach for black folks, mm-hmm. that you could have found sympathetic ears on some of these social social issues, right? The opinion polls show a big shift on marriage equality and stuff like that. Even that thing that they're holding on to in terms of outreach is not true. And doesn't it correlate more to, like, religious... Sure. Mm-hmm. You're right. Religiosity. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And so, um, right. Yeah, and it's, and it's also it's insulting, too. I mean, one of the things... That, and Jamel's written about this before. Um, shout out to Jamel. Even if, so if Ben Carson were to, like, run for elected office, statewide office, how hard that is to do for black people because black people tend to be in really sort of uh, they tend to be in super black places super liberal places mm-hmm. and you, it's hard to like make a statewide run a statewide campaign when you have to you have to win the rural parts of your state or the, the upstate parts of your state as it were and Ben Carson hasn't even done that right he hasn't even done so he doesn't even bring with him a black constituency right arguing for Ben Carson to to bring with him a bunch of black voters skips over a bunch of steps well I mean it's, it's, it's when you say that because I went out to in his house in rural Baltimore County and like uh, you know I talked to like, probably most of his neighbors i mean none of them willing to be you know sure. uh, identified but like i said you know if he ran out here he couldn't even win mayor mm-hmm. you know and it's just like yeah i mean you got to think about it like no matter who ben carson is like there's still like a lot of inroads that he has to make that right. he's never had to make Absolutely. politically you mm-hmm. know um and so yeah it just kind of overlooks a lot of things when you say that but i mean again i mean polling does like that's sort of what moves money and that moves sure. you know cameras and like there apparently seem to be a mass of people, whoever they are, that like think that he's a viable candidate. Joel, you um, in your piece, you t- talked to some folks that knew him before and were kind of um, not necessarily surprised, but maybe like disheartened by his tone in the public space. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So um, obviously, I-, I spent a lot of time talking to people that worked with him at um, Johns Hopkins, which is like I said, where he worked for like the last forty years. Yeah, I think the thing is, is that, you know, the guy they remember, like their po- his politics aren't necessarily surprising, mm-hmm. but they remember him, you know, I think mean, his nickname is Gentle Ben and people remember him being like very soft spoken. 
uh, very gracious, very accepting. <laughs> yeah, General Ben is funny. I know what. It's not Uncle Ben, though. You called him Uncle Ben earlier. <laughs> but, but you know, that they that he's a soft-spoken, like, wonderful guy. Like, every, one of his um, his mentors said that he's one of the few people I know who I literally can say walks on water, right? Like, they feel that way about him. And so for to hear him say these things about, like, gay people, like, to compare, you know, marriage equality to bestiality, right, right. and pedophilia – they're just like, whoa, like, where in the hell is that coming from? One, In fact, one of his colleagues said, you know, Ben Carson has trained more gay neurosurgeons than anybody in this country, probably. Mm-hmm. But it just sort of overlooks the fact that, like, yo, like, you know, he's an extremely devout Seventh-day Adventist. Like, he's always sort of believed this. And so, like, when you hear it amplified, like, now you're like, oh, OK, like, that's we now we really, really know. And it seems that much worse. And maybe it was easier to overlook when you're like having like very you know uh, <laughs> easy arguments about like pulling up your pants and yeah pulling up your class. pants and stuff like that right yeah. I mean it could have been that he was saying things like you know you know Dr. Ashcroft uh, you know these kids man trying to get into school on affirmative action and I just you know I worked my way up like that's totally different than like saying that like your gay cousin is like you know committing bestiality <laughs> right, right 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 so I think maybe I mean also probably like in the workplace he probably didn't have a have a chance to like go into his deep politics or beliefs and things of that nature. Right. You, you know, like maybe he just you know at work you work and at home he probably like let it out a little bit. Well, yeah, absolutely. And I, 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 this is something I I didn't really get a chance to explore. Like I think Gifted Hands is like one of those books that people talk about a lot, but they didn't actually read. <laughs> I, <laughs> I didn't read Gifted. I like skimmed through Gifted Hands. Like my aunt gave me the book, and yeah, I was like, oh, cool, that. right? You know, like yeah. this this isn't Tony Dorsett. You know, <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Like, like, I'm not reading this, but whatever. You know, <laughs> I'm not reading this autobiography, but whatever. And like you just kind of skim through, it and it's like, oh, this is really corny and boring. He's talking about like this very chaste. Uh, uh, relationship with his, you know, college girlfriend. It's like, oh, we kissed, you know, like they've like this all this drama surrounds their first ever kiss. You know what I mean? <laughs> like I'm like 14. Like why would I? <laughs> was it, I'm like staying up late to watch Cinemax. Absolutely right. You know exactly. Like right. I, don't, I don't care about any of this. But come on, Rashi Dyer's about to come on. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. But so just as an aside, can I just complain about the whole giving black kids books as inspiration? Like the like the only way you're supposed to re- interact with books is like in some like self-helpy way right. like reading is not in and of itself a thing that is like it's um, not pleasurable it's not pleasure exactly right. it's like I a feel thing. terrible because I give books all the time no 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 no. I'm not saying gi- you shouldn't give people books I'm saying when you're when, I, I, and Joel, like, I think Joel feels me on this when like, you like giving uh, the autobiography of Malcolm X or like a side of this right there's some right. sort of like a kind of self-correction and like this kind is the kind of book you got like get your shit together right and well it's like, yeah he says in gift it, it wasn't that his mother gave him books because she knew that books were inspiring or that she wanted him to have an experience that she didn't have or that she thought it would be entertaining or enriching or she wanted him to get more out of life. It was because she cleaned rich white people's houses and she noticed that they had books. Right. right. Mm-hmm. And so she wanted him to do the same. Right, exactly. Face your books. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, I mean, that's yeah, what it feels well, like, though. Like, people that actually love books, that's not how you come into Absolutely. like learning to It's not read. a chore. Learning yeah. to learn. Right. right, exactly. Like, loving to learn. Like, it's not like a thing that's like, so much of it is always self-correction. And I feel like that. Just I just wanted to say this on the side because it, it frustrates me. Like that was we both got this idle hands book. You know what I mean? It was a thing that was always around. Gifted hands, Gene. Keep saying idle <laughs> yeah, hands. Yeah, right. I, I really left myself. an impression on you. <laughs> 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 but we, I mean, it was one of those like you know like the autobiography of Malcolm X. You know what I mean? Like it's one of those books we all get to sort of like you know. I never got it. You never got mm-hmm. the autobiography of Malcolm X? Mm-hmm. Oh no, I read that. Mm-hmm. 
No, I, I mean, my mom never... I mean, she gave us books, but, like, to read. Like, we were never, like, you need to read this to, like, improve your Well, life. no, see, yeah, people was like, I think you might be interested in this. And that's mm-hmm. how I can, like, it start off with, like, you, you can see, like, a progression in kids, right? Like, maybe Berenstain Bears mm-hmm. is something into it, like comic books. And then mm-hmm. you, like, if you're, you know, whatever, if you're into sports and, like, you read these, like, really, like, easy-to-read sports autographies. Yes. And then, like, by the time, like, I was in high school, I was reading Black Boy and mm-hmm. I read Roots. Yeah. And then you get into other stuff like that. Right. But, like, it's not like... Hey, read this really boring autobiography about a doctor. <laughs> right. And this is really going to like inspire you to read. <laughs> yeah. I think it's like important though not to be like too dismissive of like the Ben Carson worldview. No. I don't think that everyone holds it, but for example, I looked at some of the Amazon reviews of his books and I was reading things like, I'm a student, I'm a medical student, this book changed my life. I realized after reading it that I can be like Dr. Carson or parents saying, we have a black teenage son and we know that he needs to read this book so that he can avoid obstacles in his life and achieve his full potential. Um, so it's not that, I think it's it's very oversimplistic to say, okay, well, black Ben Carson is the guy who's going to capture 17% of the black vote because they liked gifted hands mm-hmm. or idle hands, as Dean might call it. <laughs> um, well, yeah, we got to look at who's like doing those reviews and who's like mm-hmm. re- actually reading these books. Like, who right. is it actually speaking to? Mm-hmm. Right. But it's, it's also not the case that this narrative will just completely bounce off of the black community. I think that a, a lot of people could be into him. I think that we probably all have an uncle who would be like, yeah, you know what? I like what this guy is talking about, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He sounds really smart. He's really positive. Just like they said at the Tea Party Convention, he's very gentle. He has these amazing <laughs> accomplishments. Mm-hmm. Um, he's humble. Right. And I can get behind that. Well, My dad is a, you know, MSNBC every night watching Democrat, but he's also the kind of guy who I could potentially see being moved by Ben Carson. So, well, my grandmother is an MSNBC watching Democrat, too. Like, she watches, um, what's the one with the loud guy? Um, uh, the Ed Show? Hardball? No. Yeah. yeah Ed. Ha- hardball is coming on. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But when she, I asked her about Ben Carson, she's 84, she said, he's stupid. She just, <laughs> she just went off of you. Did you hear what he said about people going in the pr-? Like, she, it, it surprised me because she's yeah. from Mississippi, mm-hmm. like, from the country, um, but like she is just like she thinks he is ridiculous and stupid. Mm. Yeah, which is, well, yeah, I, I will say this, and this is actually something that sort of annoyed me. Like after the book, uh, after the stories came out about him in my story, like I got like a lot of people that were like <laughs> responding to the story, like what legacy? <laughs> ben Carson doesn't have a legacy. I'm like, wait a minute, bro. Like, you, yeah. like no, like he was like legitimately the first person to uh, perform. Uh, separate conjoined twins conjoined is the twins. word I've, I've, I've come to learn. <laughs> He's actually like a legend in neurosurgery. And like that is a legacy, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but like that doesn't necessarily translate into him being, uh, you know, revered like Dr. Charles Drew or, right. or, you know, whatever else, you know? One thing I find fascinating about the Ben Carson conversation is the malleability or the presumed malleability of party ID. Like, I'm a, presumably a black person who's been a Democrat. And here's a black dude, <laughs> and I'm gonna jump parties, mm-hmm. right? Like, and that's the thing that like almost never happens, like mm-hmm. because all black people have held all sorts of heterodox positions that haven't lined up neatly with a bunch of democratic positions before, and that's not that has not signaled a shift like to to a Republican side. I mean, the people used to think in the early aughts that you could do it on like gay marriage and issues like that, um, but it never really happened. So it's really fascinating to me that people think that that is still a like that is still a realistic sort of avenue to bring black folks into there. I think that's a really good point. I mm. mean, 
I don't have a great sample because I only talk to Six. about three black, <laughs> black people, people, but they they did all. So you talk to all of them. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they did all say that they'd been conservative for their entire life. Sure, right. Um, so I think that's a really good point. It's one that I didn't actually think about. I do think there's like a little bit of nuance there, and that there are a lot of people who are just not politically engaged. And that possibly someone who doesn't have a strong party ID mm. um, or someone who just has not been into politics. I don't know if, like, Barack Obama captured some people like that. Mm. So I don't know if – I think there's an idea that sort of this group of people sitting around, like, waiting to be snatched up. Yes, sir. Uh, but didn't that always, like, it's – um Every 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 political cycle, there's like people that they say they're undecided mm-hmm. or are neutral or yeah. whatever, and like that's not. I mean, studies have shown that that's not true. Right? Like that's you actually true. do right. party ID, right? Yeah, like right. those people are independent, but they right. always right. vote Democrat. They always vote Republican. They right. just want to be special snowflakes. Exactly. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I got to make up my mind before I vote for the person I was. That's a really right. good point. Yeah. yeah. What. His the re- the possibility of Ben Carson like being an actual candidate or maybe a vice presidential candidate is what it is. What do you like? What do you think? Like, given the Democratic like lineup of potential candidates, you know, how do you think? Like, what do you think that would look like? If you get to um, the general election, like you have a good chance of winning. Mm-hmm. Like, it doesn't make a difference who you are, mm-hmm. right? Right? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, just like, because the party apparatus, is right? Right? Place, right? Yeah. It gets behind you, and then mm-hmm. you're going to get, you know, 45, you know, percent, percent of the, the vote, vote yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, if he were to get that far, then he'd be somebody to contend with. But I guess the thing is, like, what Janae was saying is that, well, then now all your weaknesses as a candidate, mm-hmm. you know, come up. Right. I mean, even Sarah Palin had political experience. Right. Yeah. He has none. Yeah. Right. And she, I mean, she sort of imploded on the national stage. But I mean, this happened to to, to Homer Kane and happened to I mean Michelle Bachman. I mean, like there was there was a point in 2012 yeah. when like the, the the person was leading the primaries on the Republican side just kept switching places because mm-hmm. people kept sort of stumbling. Um, but he has no political experience, and you see how people like Hillary Clinton who have you know, not a ton of political experience in terms of, like, electoral experience, but have had some are still flubbing stuff, you know what I mean? Right, yeah, they still stumble. I mean, like, the thing, the the, the comments about going into prison and becoming gay, like, which to me was just so... Yeah, it's an ...instructive. Yeah. Right, and mm-hmm. it's just like, he's like, you know, basically he's, like, looking at the guy and he's like, all right, now let me hit you with this. You know what I'm saying? Like, he, <laughs> right, right, he right, right, like, right. some point, like, he, he was totally confident in that moment. Right. And he... You, I just you don't see a lot of like experienced politicians making that sort of yeah. absolutely and and the and then like the conversation about uh, gay life is <laughs> he, lean, he did lean forward yeah. and he was like <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. right now what about now if I told you <laughs> you know it was just funny because the last time we did this we did this with the Michael Sale yeah podcast. Oh, yeah and I to- I think I told that story then that like his uncle. And dad was sitting around talking about, well, maybe Mike ain't gay. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> this, is all of, this is all just to get that gay money. <laughs> you know? And that's like Ben Car- Carson at that moment. You know? Ben Carson in your barbershop. Yeah, right. Oh, my God. <laughs> just if you look at even where that conversation is, to your point about sort of unforced errors, like, it is not an issue that he, I mean, it's an issue that if he had an opinion, like, I mean, he always says, I'm not politically correct or whatever. Right. But, like, he could have just, he could have circumvented that somehow. Right. Like, because right. it's not, it's like, it's sort of a settled issue. It does not help him to answer it. I don't know. Well, just... he, and the thing is, like, if you eliminate everything that he said, but for the fact that, like, I don't think the, the definition of marriage should change. But, like, people that are in, you know, domestic partnerships or whatever, they should be able to have the same rights as anybody sure. else. That's, that's, a, a, that's, a, that's a stock Conservative answer, that, and that's a position from. I mean, that that would have been a majority position ten years ago, right? Like, but I mean, 
Yeah, I mean, it seems like there was a way to do that, to finesse that. Right. That, like, po- all sort of politicians at that level have to do. Right. And he's not a politician, right. so. He's somebody that believes strongly that he's right. And, right. like, that's just, like, I mean, there's one thing about it. Like, he he feels that he's been touched by the hand of God. He feels that he's special. He feels that he's right. And, like, it's sort of, I, I'm just sort of really curious to see, like, how that's going to, you know, take care of itself as he's, on the campaign trail longer and longer because mm-hmm. like you're going to get hit you're going to you know, people are going to challenge you and he's not really used to being challenged right exactly yeah. did did you mentioned he was a seventh day Adventist did any of that like did that kind of turn off any of the tea partiers or any of his folks that's a really good question like and Carolina barbecue yeah <laughs> <laughs> but no like usually folks are like I at least I find that um especially down south like people look at uh Religions like the Seventh Day Adventist, Jehovah, hmm. Jehovah's Witness, kind of a scan. So, is that did I use that? Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. No, That's no, they just look, yeah. they look at it sideways. Yeah. <laughs> um, not at all. I mean, I didn't even think about that. Probably because I'm not enough of like a Christian insider. <laughs> I just knew that he went to church a lot, um, and, and that's Christian kind that's insider. kind of their understanding of him too. You know, oh, they, they always say he's a man of God and he has very strong faith. Those oh, are the two Christian things insider. That you they have like scouting reports. Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> but, you no, I, but you think about how like Mormonism became like this thing for Mitt mm-hmm. Romney, and like I could only imagine that the same thing if. Ben Carson, mm-hmm. like if they talk more about his religion. But one thing from Gifted Hands is that um, when you read about how he became a Seventh Day Adventist, um, it wasn't like um, he read like the theology and he decided that it was right. It was just that some friends of his mother or relatives started bringing them to church, mm-hmm. and they began going to church, and they liked going to church, mm-hmm. so it stuck. That's how most church go. I mean, yeah. yeah. That's how- I mean, how many people engage in like the actual theology? Right, right, yeah. Of the religion, right. a whole social element to it. Yeah, well, you know, I got into Ben Carson's house. Ooh, wait, wait did you, you break in? Broke in? Yeah, you. Yeah, I broke in. You know, what I'm saying I was going to take that pound cake. But no, so I told you I was interviewing his neighbor. <laughs> I was interviewing. You wouldn't have got shot. Yeah, I know. Right, it was just it was his bed. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, shots to Bill Cosby. Uh, so. I, I I interviewed his neighbors and like you know they're, they're you know there's a winding road that leads to his house. I'm like, well, I just want to see what the house looks like. So I drive down the road and I see it at a distance, and I'm like, all right, I'm gonna take a picture of it. Wait, so what did it look like? Oh, it's like a palatial like estate, like it's mm. on a 35 uh, acre piece of property in the middle of cornfields. Wow. And apparently, I didn't get a chance to see the back of it, but apparently, like the back of it is like all windows oh, and it like looks out onto a pasture. Wow. It's like a $1.7 million home in, in Baltimore County, right? Wow. Which, you know, like means it probably costs like $8 million here in D.C. Exactly right. Um, you going that string of bell. Yeah, right, right. But so I, I go up, I see the gate is open, and I'm driving, and I knock on the door, and his son answers the door. And son, ben Carson Jr.? Or, oh, or gosh. I'm like, I'm, I'm Ben on Carson's the kids are like the type of kids who have like numerals in Murray. Murray? I think it was Murray Carson. Murray Very Carson? Young. Yeah, Murray Carson. Was he reading when you walked in? <laughs> I, I think, I, I feel like he's in school, though. Like, okay. he was wearing, I feel like he was wearing, like, some athletic gear, like, school, like, yeah. gear or whatever. I have a feeling he would be disowned. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. We, I'm, I'm, I'm reading my three books a week, you know, like, <laughs> like, like, like Dad said. Um, but so, yeah, it's just cold outside. He's like, hey, come on in. And so I was like, all right, walk in. And so I just, I was, I was there long <laughs> enough to see. 
Like it's, I'm in the four. I'm can in we the just f- talk about this kid's lack of street smarts? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> like who are I you? totally could have jacked it. And, right, like, right. We just let you in his crib. Right, right. right. Pro- hey. But you know what? He was probably trying to be welcoming to the only other black person in the neighborhood. Yeah, <laughs> this is true. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. And Armstrong Williams had told me that like some of his neighbors had flown like a Confederate flag out there. So oh, like, wow. you know what I mean? So first of all, that's right. not even scary. Like if you're from like Virginia or something, like <laughs> well, I mean, if they do Southerners be shrugging that off. Wait, wait, wait. If they do it to make a statement, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but if that's yeah. I mean, okay. I, like, if you just see it randomly on, like, some the bed of some pickup truck, then, like, yeah, it doesn't shake me, right? Mm-hmm. But, like, yeah, if they, like, do it specifically to, like, show you, like, yo, this is who we roll with. Like, facing like, your glass window. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Hey. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, and now I'm your candidate. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. But, now, but so, I, you know, I get in there and I, I'm, like, just, like, f- you know, furiously trying to take notes so that he doesn't, like, know that I'm, like, trying to take notes. Um, but, like, the, he has this portrait. Like over his stairwell. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Of like him chilling with Jesus. Like Jesus is like. <laughs> so Jesus really... has his arm over. Like he like he's wait, like, like wait, sitting. Wait. Is the sitting Jesus black? No, it's Ooh, white Jesus. That complicates things. Yeah, it's a white Jesus, and they like sit next to you. And Jesus has his arm around Ben, and he has like his hand out, like he's beckoning to you. Wait, and they're like very, they're like very happy. They look like old pals. <laughs> Jesus has his hand out. No, yeah, Jesus has his hand out. Like, come join me and Ben. Come join me and Ben, sitting down right here. Not him and his wife, but him and Jesus. Him and Jesus. But, okay. I mean, there's a lot of, I mean, there's other things in the house, but, like, that was the thing that, like, so it's, like, right above his stairwell that, like, faces you when you're in the foyer. So, because it's a white Jesus, would that not work for when Afrocentric art goes wrong? Yes. <laughs> it doesn't work. It doesn't? <laughs> no. Uh, but Ben Carson doesn't offset that a little bit? Like, no. his presence in the... No. What is, what is... His hairline doesn't offset it. Can we talk uh, about that? Yeah. <laughs> so, his facial hair and his hair, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's because... Barack Obama just has such a great yeah, shape. Yeah, I think up. it's the Barack Obama Caesar is a, a game clean cut it's face. Like a, it's mm. historic of historic significance. It's so tight. Yeah, here's the mm. it's a little fuzzy. <laughs> what is not as fuzzy as Ben Carson? Oh, no, is... I'm talking about Ben Carson. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm looking at the picture of him right yeah, now. Barack yeah, Obama's is like like I mean on point. Yeah, it's so it's it's infuriating actually. Yeah. Oh, wait. <laughs> What is Ben Carson wearing in this? In this, it's it's like him. Wearing, I, if if I if, if I have this right, because I I believe it was like a blue shirt, just mm-hmm. like a regular blue shirt. You can't really see his pants because they're like just sitting down. <laughs> no, um, no pants. <laughs> Wait, is he like behind a table or something? No, no, no. It's just like you know, like you can see the upper half of him. Oh, I see. And like Jesus is like sitting alongside him, but behind him a little bit. Okay, like he has his arm around him. Okay, and so you can't really see. But it's like a blue shirt. It could have been scrubs. You okay, know, I know. I remember. Yeah, I, I was, probably I was, scrubs. I was doing this like very quickly. You know. Oh. <laughs> so was Jesus? Were, were just wearing a robe or was yeah he yeah like, Jesus is like you know had on this regular gear that you expect you know right, a white right, robe, yeah, yeah, robe. Yeah, was yeah, he yeah. blonde Jesus or dark haired Jesus he was kind of brownish haired mostly brown yeah okay. mostly brown yeah. Mm-hmm. so like Jared Leto at the Oscars Ooh. yeah right there you okay. go okay he's so fine okay Jesus or Jared Leto? Jared Leto. I think the answer, the correct answer, was supposed to be Jesus. Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> right. Well, you chose wrong. <laughs> no, right. Just told it. Yeah, I'm right. like, you got it. <laughs> Wait. So you're in his house. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. And then yeah. So I, I'm there long enough for that, and so I just I'm like stalling. I'm like, yeah. Well, you know, um, I, I talked to somebody at the you know his Carson Scholars because I stopped there first, and I was like, mm-hmm. they said, you know. Maybe to try here, and I'm like lying, you know. What I mean? And I was right. just like, so I'm just trying to see maybe if he's here, somebody can pass along my contact information because I'd love to talk with him. And he's like, oh, okay, yeah. Well, I obviously I don't, I'm not comfortable saying anything, but like I'll take your number and your information. I run. He let me run out to my car, get my business card, run back in, and he's like, yeah, I'll see what I can do. And obviously nobody ever contacted me. Sure. And Armstrong Williams told me the day after. He's like, I told. 
you know, everybody not to talk to you. So, mm-hmm. um, but... Well, but Armstrong <laughs> Williams ended up loving his story. It was, a, it was a good story. It was completely fair. It was like, I mean, yeah. yeah. I think he thought that BuzzFeed couldn't be fair. That's really Even interesting. Even though it rolled up in his crib, I mean. Yeah. <laughs> Did he know, that Armstrong know that you had gone up in the man's house? I mean, I wrote it in a story. I mean, there's no other way that, like, yeah, that, yeah, it's yeah. not like that portrait's, like, outside. Yeah, I was wondering, yeah, like, yeah. when I read the part about the, the picture, I was like, wait, was Joe in the house? Because I remember you also writing that you couldn't, that Ben Carson wouldn't talk to you. Yeah. yeah. So I got into his house, but, mm-hmm. like, yeah, that was it. And I, you know, and I saw, like, he had, like, you know, all these other scripture, like, plaques around his house, and, like, they have, like, it felt like three living rooms. Hmm. You know, like one, like two living rooms that people clearly don't sit in. So, like, right. you know, he's 63 years old. So, it's like he's an old, old black person. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. there's just rooms that, like, you don't. <sighs> what do you think Ben Carson is doing right this minute? Read a book. Filing oh, his nail. Read a book. Wait, it's Saturday. Yeah. Oh, oh it's church. Church. Observing the Sabbath, no? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, thank you all for, for coming out. I mean, coming to the studio and doing this. This is a lot of fun. Thanks for having us. Yeah, glad to be here. Thanks, guys. <laughs> <laughs> On behalf of uh, Janae Desmond Harris of Vox and Joel Anderson of BuzzFeed and Taryn of... <laughs> this, is, this is Gene W. Be easy. Our theme music is Nick's Groove by The Foreign Exchange. And shout-outs to our podcast producer, Channing Kennedy. Holler at us and sign up for our newsletter at postbougie.com.